let's say in 10 years time we're all wearing AR glasses or whatever it'll be. AI won't be a separate thing to us. It would be like having a bionic arm. You feed the idea into the AI and the AI goes away and makes it better, brings it back and then you finish it off. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today we're talking about why AI should be afraid of us. Andy. Seems Yo. like it's been a while. It has been a while. We definitely haven't done one on film for a bit. God, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Right. About 18 months. Right. Breathe in, breathe in. Yeah, I was looking at the podcast notes there. I keep thinking, who the fuck's Al? It's not, it's AI. Yeah, I mean, I think your exact words were, you'll have to do all the talking about this one because I don't know fucking anything about AI. But that's not true. I know a little bit about it. Obviously, there's a lot of fuss about chat GPT. Some people yeah. are embracing it. Other people are scared, which is usually what happens with anything new. Um, some people are worrying about their jobs, and to be honest, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, and they other, should have been worried anyway. Even doctors, you know, if if you can't get a an in person consultation, the next step they're talking about is obviously it's an AI doctor who you first chat to, and they work out what the next step is. And it's like, so if GPs, are, if some GPs are shit to themselves, maybe uh, us mere mortals should be as well. So is I that think, not case? So obviously, a GP is a specialist role. I'm not saying that. But I actually do think it's those roles in the middle. So not like the super consultant level and not the um, soldier on the ground. That's a, that's a polite way of saying shelf stacker. Um, it's those middle tier jobs that are at the highest risk. Because, because they're the ones where a lot of it can be automated. And like GP should have seen it coming, for example, because x-rays and cancer scans and all sorts have been sent off for AI processing for a long time now. That's not new. Uh, copywriters should have been worried because I think AI and copywriting has been around for about five years. It's only because it's free with ChatGPT that people have stood up and taken notice. Maybe that, yeah, maybe that is the big differentiator. Like you say, it's free, it's available to everyone. But if I'm just writing an email at the moment, about freebies versus paid for stuff when it comes to events, yeah. whether that's in-person events or online events. And sometimes, obviously, you run a free event. Of course, you're going to get lots of signups as long as you know, you're know you targeting the right people with the right message. But there's a massive difference between signups and show-ups. Yeah. And so if you're running a free event, you're only going to get a certain percent of people who turn up um, because some people, they see the word free, they're in already. And, of course, Jack, chat GPT Everyone wants a bit of that. Even my mum's talking about it, and my mum knows fuck all about ChatGPT. On that note as well, it's the var- things that are free, variables cause more trouble for than if, if there's commitment. Yeah. So like yeah. an event, if it rains, which I think is in your email, and it was a free event, your show-up rate will be dramatically more impacted than if it had been a paid event. Or if software is free and suddenly... Um, someone releases a chat GPT detector, the chances of chat GPT coming up with a workaround for that quickly is far yeah. diminished versus paid for software. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that everyone instead seems to see opportunity as threat. And so like in the marketing industry, for example, a lot of people saying, oh, are you worried about AI? I'm not fucking worried about AI. Why would I be? AI is a long way off being able to know everything I know and the order to do it in, in order to get the result you need because of the nuances involved. Now, it will get there, 
and it will get there probably quicker than I realize. But when it does, I'll be the person driving it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's some people out there who, to be honest, they just can't be asked to figure it out themselves. Now, ChatGPT is pretty intuitive to use, but you've got to know what to say to it. And there are people out there who will just say, I'd rather you did that for me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you mark up the services. There's always opportunity. Of course, you know, no one, not no one, a lot of people don't like changes. So straight away, something new, their their go-to, their default position is curling up in a corner and being defensive about it. Um, but like, I think there are some people, let's face it, there are some people who they know they're pretty shit at their jobs that maybe AI could impact more than others. And they're fucking hell. They're probably so, right so to be scared. The two people that I see moaning about AI in that sense, in the threat sense, are people that don't have jobs, as, as if it's stopping them from applying for jobs. Uh, because the jobs that they were never going to apply for no longer exist. That, I mean, that's probably probably the most controversial thing I've ever said on this podcast, but like, it's true. And people who are shit at their jobs. So people who like the idea of clocking in at nine, they probably clock in at two seconds to nine. They love clocking out at five. Their productivity is just good enough that they don't get sacked, but not so good that they get promoted. And AI is a massive threat to them. But so was the internet. So was automation. So was the invention of the calculator. Like these people time and again are the ones that suffer for progress. And I think business-wise, as a business owner, yeah, you can run scared. Like, and there is no industry more than marketing that's been affected by this right now. Or you can embrace it, and I'd rather embrace it and see see yeah, what we can do. It's not going away. So, what can you do about it? Find out how it can impact your business. Find out how it can impact you. For some people, hopefully, it could be the kick up the arse they need because they realise shit. I haven't been learning. You know, my knowledge about my industry is the same as it was 10 years ago. Well, fuck, I'd get onto that as a priority then. Um, yeah. Which always baffles me anyway, why someone wouldn't want to learn to better themselves, to better their career, whatever it may be. Um, and AI, yeah, it could be that kick up the arse, a shot in the arm they need. Um, because it, it's, it's just a fucking tool. And like any tool, it can be used well and it can be used badly. Um so, I mean, so what sort of ways then that businesses you think can, in, can harness AI to make their marketing efforts better without just relying solely on it? So examples I've seen or heard people say is, oh, I asked it to write me a post and it was shit, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I'm like, well, I asked it to write me a post and it was pretty bloody good. There's a few things I yeah. had to tweak, but I was like, and, I, you know, professionally, I'd like to think I'm a better judge of, what makes a good post than yep. most? <clears throat> Sorry, these cables are making all sorts of noise over here. Let's see if we sort it out. There we go. Um, so it's only as good as the information you give it. Now, let's say you know in the next year you need to post 20 Facebook posts on the topic of uh, wheat-free dog food, something, I don't know. And so... You could prompt it, write me 20 posts about the topic of wheat-free dog food, and it would churn out 20 posts. Or you could prompt it, imagine you are the world's leading dog food expert, and to top it off, more and more dogs are getting allergies all the time. As well as that, there is a real cost-of-living crisis in the UK, and people are struggling to afford fancy dog foods. 
write me 20 posts about alternative dog food that is wheat-free, that's affordable for the layman on the street, and then see what it turns out. Now, that involved quite a bit of work. Nice effort. Oh, yo. And, and involved you doing a little bit of creative thinking. But the output you get would be amazing for that. And, like, you know, when they properly hook it up to the internet and it can fully access the internet, it's going to be unbelievable. But it's only as good as the prompt you give it. And that's why a lot of people who listen to that will straight away be thinking, fucking hell, that does indeed sound like a lot of work. And, yeah. again, that's a barrier to entry. That will stop perhaps some of the, the wrong people getting the results they want. They're just looking for the quick fix all the time. They think chat GPT is the quick fix. But actually, to get the best out of it, and then the other AI, you've got to invest the time to mm. know how to use it properly. And again, for some people, that would be too much. They think it would be the cure for everything. Yeah. And, you know, the more time you put in, the more you'll get out. And over time, it will learn and get better and better, and it will learn your voice and all these things. And, you know, there's been some incredible uh, case uses of, of AI. For example, um, I keep seeing ones on TikTok now of songs sang by somebody else famous. So you could go and listen to uh, Lovely Day by Bill Withers, sung by James Hetfield from Metallica, but it hasn't been sung by James Hetfield from Metallica. It's an AI that's been programmed uh, in James Hetfield's voice to learn. Now, it's incredibly clever yeah. because in terms of if I taught AI my voice, I might never need to record a podcast ever again. But it would still need checks and balances. We can't just allow the AI to... Some guy was talking about that at the conference you went to, weren't they? Well, yeah, because I think I think people see that as a threat too. That because of the you could fake deep fake mm -hmm. everything, but they can already do that. They've been able to do deep fakes for five or six years. So, what you sit there worrying about it, or crack sure, on yeah. and use it in your business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where we uh, lost interest with Edson Slot Angeles. This whole deep fake plot um, surfaced where there was like AI mimicking the Chris O'Donnell character. Yeah. Rob, Robin from Batman and Robin. Yeah, it just got fucking stupid. It was like, what's coming next? The multiverse. Oh, mind you, though, what was a trailer we saw? Um, Maddie and I went to Guys of the Galaxy. Saw a multiverse trailer. Oh, fucking hell. The Flash. Oh, that's had really good reviews. Have like, you seen the trailer? No. Well, I've seen the bit with my Michael Keaton. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, that's oh, not. You that. didn't know? No. You've been under a rock. It's fucking DC, in it? And I was like, and of course, in the trailer, he goes, I'm Batman. He says that. Yeah, the iconic line. And Maddie's like, what's the so I says, it was Batman 30 years. Because, of course, Maddie's never seen that Batman. Yeah. I said, it was Batman like 30 years ago. She's like, oh, oh. Then we got shushed. Um, but I was like, fucking hell, that's You got shushed in the trailer, so that was a strict mm. screening. I know, wanker. Um, but, yeah, so even the Flash TV series, we lost interest in that because it was going really, really well till about season six, and then the whole multiverse thing happened. And they were like, but you can't you can't oh. speak out against the multiverse when that is a very important arc of both DC and Marvel comics. I know, and and it's not one I like. I don't think it translates to screen very well. That would be my no. Um, when when they had the three Spider Men, I could cope with that. But like in the Flash TV series, there were like at one point eighteen versions of Earth or whatever. It's like fucking hell, that's way too much. And also, it's almost like. Do you think maybe they've run out of ideas and it's like, well, I'll tell you what then, let's have someone else play Spider-Man on another version of Earth and it's like, oh, fucking hell, here we go. See, I, because I... Film, Ask AI, come up with some better plot lines that don't involve multiverses. Yeah, well, yeah, like, film-wise, I prefer the kind of gritty version of comic book film. So I loved Blade. 
like the Nolan Batman, so like the most recent The oh, Batman. Saw his Oppenheimer chamber as well. Oh, that's meant to look. That looked really, yeah, really good. So I like that for me. That I prefer that. Um, like I love the Netflix Punisher series, that kind of thing. Like <laughs> the grittier kind of crazy, but but in an actual comic book setting, the wackier the better. I think because yeah. it's quite weird anyway. No. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not into the multiverse anyway. I'm trying, to think what, I'm trying to think what DC film I've enjoyed. Dark Knight, surely. Okay, yeah, okay. Right, three Nolans aside, which just amazing. You haven't seen the latest, The Batman, have you? No, haven't seen it's that. Good. Haven't seen any. What are the ones of Ben Affleck in? Haven't seen any of them. All the Snyder ones. Yeah. You haven't seen any Is of those. Is that Justice League? Partly, yeah. You haven't seen any of those. And Superman. And... I saw the Henry Cavill Superman. Yeah, so that's the same. How many has he done? Snyder. No, um, Henry Cannibal. Uh, so whatever that was called, Man of Steel. Then they did Batman versus Superman. What was the Brandon Ruth one then? Superman Returns. How was it? Fucking hell, that seems like a long time ago. It was a long time ago. You're just showing your age. Kevin Spacey was Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah. And he's cancelled now. Is he still cancelled? Was he let off? No? Well, he let off on one thing. Oh, I think okay. Who else has been cancelled? I don't know, we'll all be cancelled eventually. Everyone at some point. I mean, what Kevin Spacey did, if he did it, is horrific. So, yes, I think that's a good reason to be cancelled. Do you think we'll get to the point you get cancelled for anything? Who do you know, genuinely, who do you know that's actually been cancelled? Everyone, for temporarily. No no one, have they? The only only people that make a noise about being cancelled have been cancelled. Because someone else has been cancelled five minutes later, and so the other person gets let off a bit. It's not a real thing, though, is it? Other than Kevin Spacey, who... I think for them... In and Harvey of, Weinstein or whatever. Not their career being cancelled, but certainly losing out financially on jobs. That's very real. Um, the Rock. He's the latest. What? Cancel for what? Being a dick. What's he done? Well, he tried to take over the DC universe, cocked it all up, made a horrendous film, and now no one wants anything to do with it. Oh, so this Black Adam or whatever? Yeah. Oh, and I everyone just, said he was a nightmare to deal with. Well, I just thought he was just... Agreed to be a lead in a film and didn't do very well, and that was it. No, he's been like demanding to have a face off with Superman when his character's meant to face off with Shazam and all sorts. So they were like, right, signed, he cancelled. Oh, you mean so Warner Brothers have said, yeah, you don't, to, don't you in the DC? We've got, he's got Henry Cavill sacked. They've rebooted everything now. Oh, I thought he said he wanted Henry Cavill to play Superman and. No, he's in Black Adam, Henry Cavill. Oh, is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. So we're saying then. Don't know. I haven't seen it. It's cancelled, isn't it? Fucking hell. No, but I, I, on a serious note, I don't know how we've got to this, but AI's going to cancel you now. They will set an algorithm. Anyone who says this, cancel. I don't think anyone's been cancelled that I can think of, other than people who've done abhorrent things. I think some people have said they've been cancelled, which has actually got them more attention. Maybe just sells a few newspapers. I think there are some people out there who say one wrong thing or they said one wrong thing 50 years ago and they get heat. That happened to Kevin shows. Hart, actually, didn't it? He said, it, I mean, it was homophobic tweets and he got cancelled from hosting the Oscars. That was That's a thing that happened. And then people said, should someone be cancelled for something they've already apologised for? And I think... Ricky Gervais definitely says no. My personal opinion on that is... The Oscars should have done their bloody homework better. If they don't want, if they don't want the controversy of 
and everyone makes a mistake. Yeah, know? but if they, if they for whatever reason there are levels of mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they don't want the controversy of someone who said something controversial in the past hosting their awards. Do your research. Mm. It's not hard. And but if you've then appointed them and then you're cancelling them for something they've apologised for that the world's mm. forgiven them for too. It's yeah. not like it's yeah. not like he's. It's difficult because we know. Um, what's the quote? I mean, it's an old quote about bloody um, intelligent people are so full of self doubt, but the stupid people there, the really loud ones, all that kind of thing. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people with great opinions to share. They're so scared they might say something wrong. It's just easier not to say anything. Yeah. But a lot of stupid people out there, they got no qualms about being loud of stuff. And then that's how some white people say uh, elections get won. But well, yeah, absolutely. Because. I guess the stupid people have got nothing to lose, or they don't worry about it enough. We should do a podcast about that. Being stupid, we'll be good at that. Cancel culture. <laughs> Is it real? Discuss. I just think it's bollocks. I mean, I remember, like, so so David Baddiel, you know, pretty right on. Um, obviously, author, podcaster, um, actor, probably a director as well. Um, and then it resurfaced some of his fancy football stuff he used to do back in the day with... Um, oh, like when he... It, they didn't... Black, with Frank, with, blackface. Yeah, with Frank, Frank Skinner, Skinner, that's it, yeah. But they did blackface and they also did like the girls wearing very little clothes, didn't they, on their... On the sofa. Oh, I can't remember. Like, like, it yeah. was never my cup of tea, so... Um, you don't get on with them anyway, though. Rumour has it. Uh, yeah, not my cup of tea. <laughs> um, and... Uh, here's, here's my rumour. I've heard he's an absolute wanker. Oh, well, <laughs> um, But... I vaguely remember it at the time, the whole blackface thing. But I also vaguely remember people not being that fussed about well, it. Well, like Little Britain. I'm, oh, like, shit, I'm not right. saying it's right. That was massive at the time. But now everyone's like, oh, I never liked it at the time. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure the TV viewing The whole figures, country bloody stopped. Yeah, 50 million people used to watch it. Yeah. And, and now it's all like, oh, they had a, they had a character called Ping Pong and, and they had uh, uh, they were laughing at poor people and disabled people. And it's like, well... That was wrong back then. Yeah, but. like Bo Selector. Bo, <laughs> Bo Selector, we all knew it was wrong. Forgot about that. Yeah, but we're just living in very different times, I and mean, you do have to adjust. I get that, but I don't. I'd like um, the Roald Dahl thing, rewriting Roald Dahl books for today's standards. Agatha Christie. If Someone you, else's. Oh, so one of my childhood favourites were a t- uh, P.G. Woodhouse. You know the Jeeves and Worcester. That's the same thing with them now. Really? Yeah. Uh, the the publisher where. Is rewriting certain things. You can't whitewash history because then history repeats itself. Yeah, and, it's, and every generation it's thinks it's better than the last. Always has been. Yeah, the like, next generation will think that the people who believe they're doing the right thing now were archaic. So, so when when older, I won't mention names, but certain older people will say to me stuff about how things used to be better in the old days and stuff. And uh, I said, "Oh, do you mean um, like when when gay people got chemically castrated, or when women couldn't vote, and or or when when I'd get beaten up because the colour of my skin. Those good old days, you mean? Oh, no, you're just being silly. You're just being silly. And it's like, yeah, it's just nostalgia, isn't it? Hey, what it used to be. And it's hard, isn't it? Because when you're no longer the current generation, which applies to both of us, you, you sort of remember some of the old days with fondness. And, and like you say, you, the horrible shit you block out. But that's not what we like. How the hell do we get onto this? I'm talking about AI. It's really interesting. Start isn't with it? multiverse, I think. But like, Roald Dahl, for example, if 
if you edit everything he said to make it softer for today's audience, you're taking away what it was, whether or not you agree with it. But part of parenting, if you're reading your kids a story, it's like, oh, you know, I don't know. Let's, I don't know what it does say in there, but let's say there's a, it's like, oh, and, and dad went out to work to earn the money so that mum could cook the dinner, which would be an old fashioned stereotype. The tiger comes, came to tea. That's same, you know, woman's there, the wife's there making food for dad who comes back after a hard day's work and yeah. it on the table. Well, it wasn't because the tiger As a parent, yeah. surely. You could like well one yeah don't worry there's no tigers coming to tea <laughs> but the second bit is yeah that's how people used to live that in in a lot of households up until the early eighties that what you know the, the mm. father went out to work and and the mum looked after the house that isn't how we live today but that's how people used to live don't rewrite it I know, I'm trying to think what would happen next really I mean Roald Dahl massive part of my childhood Enid Blyton what was your favourite. Big, big, Roald Dahl. Yeah. Um, James the Giant Page. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. Um, that's why we were talking about dystopian stuff. It's all like that thought of that escapism. I've always loved like films, TV, books like that, like Logan's Run, getting away from something that isn't, isn't as good as, it, as you want it to be. And James the Giant Page, obviously getting away from, it were those two, it was two horrible aunts, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. And flying away. So I love that one. Love Child of the Chocolate Factory. Love the film. Um, but Enid Blyton is a big one for me, and I'm, I'm sure she's having stuff rewritten because... So that's the famous five, isn't it? Yeah, and she, she recently wasn't allowed on a stamp because I think she had, obviously, racist views, like I'm sure a lot of people did in those days. Um, Noddy's like, best mate was Big Ears. Couldn't, couldn't say that now, could, could you? Couldn't say that now. Couldn't say that now. Um, and why was such a young little elf pixie man hanging out with such an old guy? That's weird, too. Then even we were talking in the office the other day about Lord the Flies. Um, and the overweight kid, it was called Piggy, wasn't he? And that stuff like that wouldn't happen now. Or in, in, you used to love the Beano, the Bass Street Kids. There was Fatty. Remember him? Yeah, Piggy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Overweight. That, that wouldn't happen now. But like, and Pie Face. <laughs> so, but like, there's a, yeah, well, we could go down the whole route of like getting Are we trophies. more enlightened now? Um... I, I, I don't. I think I knew that you couldn't call people fatty when I read those books. Yeah, see, I didn't. Not not in the seventies. If if you were and and to be honest, in the seventies, a lot fewer people were overweight. Yeah. So if well, you, if, genuinely, there was less money around to yeah, buy food. If if you were overweight, you're in the minority. And chances are you'd get picked on and called names. And it was wrong, but that's the way it was. Just like if you were ginger or, in my case, Asian. And. And Welsh. And it's. <laughs> okay, I got more shit being Welsh. <laughs> and it's one of those things that I oh, just, I guess you just fucking accepted, which is really weird looking back at it now. But then I'll explain to my kids how, you know, I got into racist sort of trouble when I was younger. And they, they just, they can't get their heads around it. Why? Why is the, the colour of your skin and and why would somebody who's struggling with their weight get rid of it? And it's like, well, that's just, that's just how it was, I'm, I'm afraid. And now... What do you mean? Your kids pick on people for having big feet. Yeah, that's funny, though. <laughs> big feet, Joel. 
Although Maddie now, what is she, yeah, she's she, she shuts up a bit about big feet now. She's I think she's size eight or something. She's got big Literally feet for a girl. That's yeah. big feet. Yeah, so she borrows Emma's Jordans quite a lot now, which is annoying. Poor Emma. Yeah, I know. So yeah, I, I think we could do a whole podcast about this because I because I do believe obviously a lot of things are much better now than they used to be, without a doubt. But there's also a lot of great knowledge want to be shared out there. But the people I'm too scared. Yeah, the people I, are too scared because. So, so, so you said a word earlier. I've said loads of words earlier today. I, what did I say? I talked about. I, I said something to the girls here about manning the phone. You said layman earlier. There are yeah, people out yeah. there. For, that will just be enough for them if they're a bit bored to think I'm going to I'm going to latch onto that, and I'm going to do a tweet that Andy talked about manning the phones. When did he think he was born in the seventies? Well, See, yes. but you can make such an argument about that. Like, you know, I'm not a woman and I understand this is touchy territory and actually, you know, that's not what I'm trying to say here. But at what point does, like, manning the phones is not a not a luxury job. It's not something people look forward to doing. So if we're personing the phones... No, of course not, anyway. Well, yeah, but if we're personing the phones or whatever we're meant to say, it, you know, like when Neil Armstrong st- stood on the moon, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, it didn't mean man. It was it was just semantics. It did. Mean, Star Trek changed the the opening monologue years ago because in the Kirk days it was where no man has gone before. Mm. Then when Captain Picard came in the Next Generation, it was where no one has gone before. Um, but it's like, were they wrong back in the sixties? By our standards, of course we'd say yes. But back then it was just you said small step for a man. But you it was said, a collective term. It, well, yeah, it, it, it yeah, meant yeah, human, yeah. Right. like like man in the phones, like that. But but there will be HR handbooks out there that would say that kind of language. Yeah. We were told about, what was that client said, said about he was told off by some HR person for using the word staff. It should be team. Staff yeah, is too just... aggressive and it's, it's not so, inclusive enough. Obviously, this is the Stay Hungry podcast. And we're talking about AI. And I'm, pre- and I'm, and I'm pretty right on in general. <laughs> you are. but In a good way. In this case, I would say, if that's what you're sat there worrying about, You've got you haven't got enough shit to do, and and I don't mean that in a horrible sense. I think we should all be aware of our language, and we should all try harder to be better people. But if you say, "Oh, I'm just going to go check in on the staff," and someone turns around to you and says, "Do you mean team?" Tell them to fuck off, because we haven't got time. Like in our world, much like I think, a lot of this comes from the whole idea of giving people trophies for coming last. Oh, we don't want to upset the person that came last. Well, I'm sorry. But when you step out of school or play group or whatever it is, the world's fucking hard. And if we keep teaching people that there's not going to be anyone that says things wrong, there's not going to be anyone that disagrees with them, there's going to be a prize for whatever place you come, no wonder AI is going to fucking beat us. Maddie came first in the discus at the competition last week. Did she not get a medal because first place gets enough already? <laughs> it's weird considering she never thrown discus before, I don't think. And there were some quite... She's got size eight feet. I imagine she's got 11 arm on her. Some quite strong looking ladies in <laughs> In that competition. So she was really chuffed. But it's funny, actually, because she was saying about some of these women competing who were quite big. And I was saying, but, oh, and that's right. So was, there was one lady who was really big, and she had all the gear. Why had Maddie been made to do discus if she'd never knows. done it before? Fuck no. Because discus and javelin and shot put at school, oh, at our, our school were like the one, they were the ones like, oh, you're not good at anything else, you do that. Yeah. Um, Holly's doing the shot put, and she's tiny. Anyway, um, there's this one girl who's big, like, you know, muscly, strong. And she had all the gear, top to toe, gym shop, that kind of stuff. 
And so Maddie straight away wobbled. And so I talked to her about that judo competition where I lost because the guy beat me before I stepped on the beat mat. Because he, he, he looked the business. I said, it doesn't matter that she has Gymshark or that she looked. That, that's irrelevant. She might be good, but she might be shit. But don't let her beat you in, in the head first. And that's something that's like, you know, those little father-son chats. I think, well, sometimes I do do have something wise to share in between all the bullshit. But I mean, I think, she's your daughter, but... Uh, I don't mean, we face that. You know, a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome, self-doubt and stuff. A lot of it's worrying about your, your preconception of someone. Maybe there's a lot of ignorance about AI. See what I did there? Brought us like back that. on subject. Yeah, yeah. Your preconception, you have fear about something you don't fully understand, just like you had fear of an opponent because they sound cooler than you, dress better than you, look the business. You think, oh my God, I'm, I'm fearful of that person. Where if you think about it logically, you haven't done your due diligence to make that decision. So if you're fearful about AI, whatever it might be, have you done your search first yeah. to know, is it going to affect you? And if so, how? And then what can you fucking do about it? Yeah, and as it stands... There we go. I think that was only a 35-minute uh, <laughs> tangent. Yeah. But like as it stands with AI, yes, it probably can do what you're meant to do quicker than you, but it can't do the, the nuance that you can do. So if you fall into that bracket of like mid-tier job that's under threat from AI, really, really, really lean into those nuances of like, let's say you write, you do creative copywriting for brands that are heavily led by their story. Sounds wanky, but true. Yeah. Then oh, you've thrown that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> then AI is not going to be able to do that mm. because AI is not going to have the the capacity to understand every single personality in your business and pull that together like you can. So see, I was watching a, clip, a quick Stephen Bartlett clip someone posted on LinkedIn the other day, and he was talking about working from home and yeah. working in the office. And he's a big proponent, for what I can make out in this video anyway, of for certain businesses working collectively, working together in an yeah, office yeah. because of creativity and innovation. Um, and the important thing is, obviously, you make that clear to your team. This is this is our culture. This is why we work from home, or this is why we work in the office, so they know. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's no grey area. But I think if you if you want to be innovative, if, if you need genuine connections and creativity in your business, AI can't really do that. Is that a nuance, or is that just? I think so. I think yeah. I mean, it will be able to do that, and it will get better at doing that. It will never be a human. That's a whole other tangent, isn't it? Work from home. Yeah, well, I, that, I guess, like, that's the thing. Like, that's where it'll get interesting. It's, let's say, in 10 years' time, we're all wearing AR glasses or whatever it'll be, because it's coming. We all know it's coming. Mm -hmm. AI won't be a separate thing to us. It will be, it would be like having a bionic arm. It, it'll be like, you feed, you feed the idea into the AI, and the AI goes away and makes it better, brings it back, and then you finish it off, as opposed to this whole thing of it feeling very separate at the moment. It's funny, Chris Evans, the DJ, not the actor, was talking about this this morning. Emma told me when I rang her in the car, saying about how because of technology and AI, there's a lot of people out there who can do their five-day job in three days. So he's trying to say that a lot of people out there do have an argument for getting paid the same because they provide the same result, but they should only work, say, four days a week or whatever. I remember the, um, 
they show a clip from it all the time. Tomorrow's World from like oh, 60s God. and 70s. And, oh, that's classic. And uh, they're basically saying, oh, come the year 2000, everyone will work a two-day week and we'll have a five-day weekend. But what's actually happened is productivity has massively gone up since then. But all we do is work more. And, and obviously that's created this massive rich-poor gap and profits and yada, yada, yada. But the same will happen with AI. There's no way. Chris Evans is right. That's what should happen. Is it? As long as we produce the same amount, everyone should get paid. But that's not what will happen, is that everyone will be expected to produce more because they've been given better tools. And the reality is there are some competing industries and countries out there, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, in fact, it's probably wrong, who are working much more oh, than we are. Yeah. And if you're in a business working 40 hours a week, but someone can get the same service or result that you provide elsewhere, where people are working 80 hours a week for you and charging less, oh, you, you've got some thinking to do, and that's the reality of it. Yeah, that's a bigger threat, yeah, is, it, is emerging economies that are willing to harness AI at the same time. I mean, we, I, I'm trying to think now. I don't think we, we outsource anything abroad. I'm certainly not saying it's wrong, but there's lots of people who do. It's like, right, I want this result, and I can pay 20 quid an hour to get it done here in the UK, or I can pay five quid an hour to get it done in the Philippines. And to be honest, I can send the brief in the evening, wake up in the morning, come to the office, and the work's been done because of the time yeah. difference. Yeah, oh, I think... I That's think quite a only, sexy sell. The only things I can think we've ever done it with is data analysis. Where you just send it off and then it comes back a couple of days later and they've done the data and oh, I thought you did all that. Well, I like to let I like to like you to think I have. <laughs> you just give it to AI, don't <laughs> yeah. you? Just give it to my mate in the Philippines. Yeah, sort this out for Andy. He won't know the difference anyway. Yeah, create yeah. a spreadsheet for Andy. Tell him I've oh, done it. Oh fucking hell! Have you gone through your spreadsheet from the webinar? Has it yielded good data? Um, I was thinking about that on the dog walk this morning. I don't know why. It's it's told me some things I needed to know. Yeah. Okay. Whether that's good data or not. I mean, yeah, yeah, it is good data, but not the data I was looking to get. Right, okay, okay. As in, do our sales team bother to fill in a spreadsheet the further along the project we get? And if the answer to that is no, should they be our sales team? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, maybe we're going to hand that over to AI then. So what about about risks? We talk about opportunity a lot. Yeah. What what are the risks with it? And I suppose risk we've talked about inputting the wrong commands, for so, want a better phrase. I think a, the recent, downside? a recent example of when a tool became available to the masses um, is Canva. Mm. So it's not AI, but just, you know, the same's happening with AI. Worth $40 billion. Yeah. And the big risk, and we saw it with Canva, and we'll see it again, and we saw it when digital cameras became a widespread thing is mediocrity became accepted that it's like well that that looks good how did you do that and it's like does that look good by professional standards or does that look good by run-of-the-mill standards and we saw when canva came out we saw a lot of shit graphics on social media and with ai what we'll see is a lot of shit copywriting a lot of shit automations a lot of shit web code a lot of shit fake images and it takes a professional to be able to tell everyone it's shit, which then the argument is, well, is it actually shit then? And it's, that's when you get into data. That's where I come in, where it's like, well, that landing page that's been professionally done converts at 
that landing page that looks all right according to you lot and has been done by AI converts at twenty nine percent across a million pound. That's the reality, isn't it? Because what does the what does the customer want to do? Yeah. If they want to press that button or don't, that's the those are the kind of numbers you need to know. Yeah. And if I'm honest, in terms of risks, risk to us for micro businesses, that won't matter because that three percent could be fifty quid. Mm. So use the AI. Save yourself the money. Bloody hell. And where's 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 the future of AI? What's how can um, I mean? Obviously, one of our jobs, one of the team's jobs, is always to keep ahead of the curve for our clients. So, whether that's Facebook ads, knowing what kind of ads work the best, knowing what kind of copy works the best, following the trends, um, or rather predicting them. So again, keeping ahead of the curve. When it comes to AI, where's it going? I think everything's going to going to become augmented. Like we were saying before, that like the Borg, yeah, basically like the Borg, yeah. Holy shit! Season three of Picard, and third and final season, right. where basically the next generation cast reunite, and the Borg play a part in it. Oh, it's amazing! They so they go back onto the original Enterprise from the well the nineteen eighties yeah. when 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 the program first came out. All seven of the car, the main bridge crew back on the next generation. Oh, fucking hell. It, I almost cried. I didn't, obviously. I mean, but that it, sounds really exciting for you. I was trying to explain to Emma and she had the same bored look in the face at you. Yeah, right yeah. Oh, okay, well, I, it was, it was, it was, it was Imagine it was seven amazing. people standing where they used to stand. That's what I just heard. <laughs> you get excited about a spreadsheet, but don't get excited about that. You said something about the Borg. Who's that? Bjorn Borg, the tennis player. Right, go back to augmentation or whatever you were fucking fucking droning on about. Yeah, I basically think everyone's thinking of all these things as separate and soon it's all going to be one and the same. That we're going to be living in some sort of hybrid world where virtual, artificial and reality merge into one and this argument will be defunct. It'll be like, write me a blog and it'll be written. In 50 years' time, will there be offices? I I think we're going to get to a place where surely there's going to be a lot of research in the next few years about how important it is to actually physically socialise, how important it is to be in the same place as other humans and what like the metaphysical effects on you are and all this kind of stuff. Um, because otherwise we're all going to be in pods with like treadmills in the bottom wearing VR glasses and never see anyone. You've got a generation like that now. Oh, yeah. Lockdown kids, all that kind of stuff that a lot of people, they, they don't want to socialise. I saw a meme today, another, another Baby Yoda one, um, and it was like, you know, why do you want to go out? Why don't you ever leave the house? And, and Baby Yoda's saying, because all my stuff's there and I hate people. And it's like, shit, I know a lot of people like that. You're a bit like that. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. But it's quite true. Yeah, well, I and the people I love, they're there. Um, I'm, I'm less inclined to go out now than I was before. Um, I could quite easily work from home. My wife would probably disagree with you, uh, disagree with me. But well, you've been told about that from uh, a few people, haven't you? Yeah, but I know the results wouldn't be the same. And as you know, results chump everything. 
But there's a lot of people out there. And that's why it's a hard argument to come back to this work from home thing that in, in, the, in the mass mass media, it's almost like if you're an employer and don't let your team work from home, you're a bastard. And that if you went on LinkedIn, which is, you know, a bit of a cesspit at the moment, has been for a while, you'd think that like, you know, any, any boss that made their team come into work four or five days a week um, and didn't, is, let, is them have their, didn't yeah. let them have their birthdays off and fucking, I don't know. See, like, genuinely a big consideration in our office around the office culture and having an office space and a central hub, apart from productivity, creativity, is the mental health of the team. Is I genuinely saw how hard it was for them during COVID to like have no sense of purpose, no sense of structure, to have to listen to noise in the background and the neighbours and deliveries come in and all this shit. And I feel I do feel like we have a moral obligation to show them that there's a bit more to life than that. That obviously if they get into their forties and fifties and decide to go self-employed and work from home and they enjoy that, that's that's up to them. But I, yeah, I really do. It really does scare me the idea. Like, you know, I like my own company, and I can mm. uh, I can sit and work at home, whether I should. And, and I agree with you. The results probably the same because I'm very purpose driven, so I get to the result. But whether I should is. I wonder if that bubble will burst. What did Ian Malcolm say? You were so busy wondering if you could, you stopped to think if you should. Uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. God, we have gone deep today, haven't we? It's good, that, wasn't it? What do people need to do if they want to uh, go off on a rant with us about giving trophies to ninth-place losers or talk about AI or marketing? If they want to learn more about practical marketing and mindset to move you forward, you mean? Oh, that was it, yeah. Yeah. Book a strategy session, or rather apply for one. Simply visit codebreak.co.uk and get that chat in. Thanks for listening to the Stay Hungry podcast, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Now, if you're looking to sort your marketing out, visit fixmymarketing.co.uk and get in touch today. Mm-hmm.